Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Running Into the Fog. My name is Derek Johnson with Aurora WDC. We're here with my brother, Eric. Eric, welcome. Morning, Derek. Be with you. Always awesome to record these great special guests that we have here on Running Into the Fog, and today is no different. Marshall Wayne, thank you for joining the podcast. How are you today, brother? Thank you, my friend. Good to see you, too. Hi, Marshall. Thank Glad you. you're here. So today is September the 8th, 2021. Uh, we are recording actually a milestone recording here today, number 20 in the series nice. of Running Into the Fog, which is kind of fun. Um, doesn't mean we're uh, expert at this yet. Uh, in fact, we're probably still considered greenhorns, as I like to say, podcast recording business. But um, 20 is better than number one or even number five. So we're, we're excited for that today. And uh, awesome to have you here today, Marshall. The uh, release date is projected for around November 9th, you okay. know, with this edition. And, you know, we, we go way back. This is the first time that the Joe Bros, as we call ourselves, have uh, welcomed a guest that shares the same high school and uh, yeah, same community. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, uh, some of our listeners might know that uh, the Joe Bros grew up in Chatech, Wisconsin, but uh, share a little bit about your background. I mean, that's from? my whole deal. It's just growing up in Chatech, and that's why we know each other. And I mean, I don't know how... how <laughs> I don't know where to go with it. Yeah. We, we know each other University more from Minnesota Facebook. After that. But yeah. yeah we, we follow each other on Facebook. I follow you and your fiance and your beautiful daughter, Malia. And, um, you know, happen to be, I think this, this craze around Bernie Sanders being um, put <laughs> into these random, the, the meme of Bernie <laughs> Sanders being put into these pictures. I saw that yeah. you had done that. I had no earthly idea how to do that myself. And I, I sent you a picture of my boy, Rocky. Sitting, yeah. uh, sitting in the living room. And I said, Hey, can you insert Bernie Sanders in this more as a <laughs> funny joke? And within seconds, Marshall came back with this digitally edited photo with Bernie Sanders sitting with his mittens in the corner uh, <laughs> of my living room. So uh, kind of a fun, fun story in that regard. So uh, yeah, state so, champion, state champion runner back in the day, high school. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Just wow. uh, cross country <laughs> track or both track. In cross, I didn't take it that seriously, and I got seventh, and it ticked me off. I only ran track one year, my senior year. I played baseball before that, and so that kind of triggered me to get serious and quit baseball and be a runner. Because before I would run, but you know, I I didn't take it as seriously as I could have. So yeah, yeah. then you went over to uh, University of Minnesota and ran ran track for. Uh... Steve Olympian there. Awesome. He's retiring this year. Cool. Eric, what uh, kind of initial questions do you have for Mark? Well, Derek said you uh, you were out in Southern California and you ran a, a run, I guess. You not ran, but run a marketing agency and uh, and branding work and media and stuff. I'm curious about that whole part of your life and, and what that has to do with the mounting part. Yeah. You know, it's it's well, it, it kind of does. Because if you're good at marketing, you can market anything else. Right. Um, but no, I I moved out there to do a lot of work for authors, like business authors, where they write their book just as a brochure, really. It doesn't make them any money, but then they can use that to parlay it into seminar speaking gigs and, you know, $3,000 seminars where the, the people pay to touch the hem of the master type of deal. Right. And so I marketed a lot of those type of people. It was, you know, I just got, I'd gotten in with a couple 
a couple guys and then, you know, then their clients go, would you hire me? And so it wasn't anything strategic. Um, you just follow where the money is, is all. Yeah. So. Cool. But now you're you back still- in Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. I moved back five years ago because my, my fiance, Mallory, she is from Chatech and she went out for her 30th birthday to California. And then her sister, Angel Thompson, messaged me and said, hey, we need to meet up. And so that's how we met. And was, you know, chemistry I struck. Sure moved back. Yeah. yeah. Super awesome. cool. So this mounting man business, yeah. you know, was it, uh, was it pandemic related that caused you to say, I need to pivot. I need to get into doing something else. Obviously with, you know, we were all single guys once upon a time. And I listened to your, your podcast with Bill Hart and I heard you mention how if uh, the pandemic happened and you were single, you would just cut back and grind through it. Uh, yeah, with, I would have, uh, I would have just ate ramen noodles and, you know, just did what I did in college probably, you know, yeah. um, cause I just could have weathered it with savings. I mean, maybe not for like 16 months, but it would have been okay. I wouldn't have worried as much. But yeah, it was it was directly related because all my things that I market for the agency are live events. And so that just went to zero. Um, the revenue didn't go to zeros, but it went to like a quarter. And that's essentially zero um, as far as like what you can do with paying bills and managing your life that you were living. You know, you can't just go from 100 to a quarter. Um, I don't know anybody who only spends 25% of their income on their living to live. But yeah, it was just pure necessity. I had to, I just had to figure something out. And so you'd think I would have went into something I knew how to do. I didn't know how to mount a TV. I mean, I can mount my own TV, but that's on the drywall in an easy scenario, you know? And if you do it professionally, there's tons of scenarios that are hairy you know, but it's what made the most of money for least amount of time. And I could do if I had to take Malia or I could do it around Mallory's schedule. I mean, I had to have all these parameters <laughs> for something to work, you know, and at the time I couldn't just go get a marketing job because the, um, the slots for daycare were messed up. Nobody knew if daycare could happen. It was all, I would call around and it was just an issue and I just wouldn't forget it. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right that's on. what, that's what guys who uh, have commitments do. They just figure it out. But yeah, was there do. something, so, so you knew how to mount your own TV, but when you, when you think about maybe how daunting it could have been to say, I'm going to start a business around mounting televisions. and homes. <laughs> Sometimes these homes are, as I've heard you talk about online and in this Bill Hart, Oh, podcast, nice. you know, multi-million dollar states. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is it about your approach? And I, I've watched a little bit more than Eric of your story and you, you get super detailed around uh, how much you're spending on Google AdWords and different things yeah, like I this, do. but um, you know, how much of that was daunting and how much of it was, well, I'm doing this, you know, kind of out of necessity, but now you've built a brand, the mounting man around, Hey, hire me. I'm going to come in, do a super professional job. You can trust me, that type of stuff. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? And then Eric, I'll give Eric a chance to uh, counter with some questions. 
So the only thing, immediately, I was just scared every time I showed up. <laughs> That's all there was to it. I was just like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to figure this one out. Or all these fears that never came to be. All I would do is if I couldn't, if, here's one thing that tripped me up in the beginning, which is just ridiculous for people to have to listen to, but whatever. Um, downtown Minneapolis, there will be, buildings that used to be like a, a brewery or some industrial factory that are now modern apartments. And so you'll sometimes get into a situation where there's drywall and then right behind it is brick. And you're like, what am I, you know, now I just take out my hammer drill and drill in. I don't care. But at the time it was like, I don't know what to do. And so then I just tell them I have to go to Home Depot or Menards and then I just Google stuff and then buy whatever I needed at the, on the spot and get it done and so after about a month of running into scenarios i didn't know i pretty much ran into everything that i would ever see and i had it fixed and i had all the tools you know uh, but initially it was it was just scary every day like i was and i'm not a nervous person by nature i'm usually like i got this but what i'm usually like that because i do actually know what i'm doing you know, when you don't, you just turn into like a helpless, you know, being that you just forge forward, though, and figure it out. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. All. I, now I don't ever, whenever I leave the house, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go take care of this. It'll take me 15 minutes. So. That's really a neat uh, example of something that I heard in there a few times, which was, I call it the maximizer or the optimizer is that you said this earlier that the mounting thing was the thing you could do in the least amount of time that had the greatest return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the same sort of aesthetic is running through this idea of, all right, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure this out. How bad can it be? You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave, I'll pretend to go to Menards. <laughs> You're not in the car. I wasn't going to sit there in their home and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of me, actually, when when I started this company 26 years ago and going, when when I got asked to do something and I'd be like, sure, I know how to do that. Of course, <laughs> I did not know how to do out. that. Exactly. And you figure it out. And it's funny, I've shared this story a couple of times, uh, but my very first intelligence assignment was doing a global market analysis for the EMU market. Uh, oh because. God. I got hired, I put up a website in 1995, and I got hired by the California Emu Ranch to do a worldwide market assessment to tell them where to sell their products. And, and I said, well, you know, this could cost as much as $3,000, you know, to do a worldwide market assessment. Of course, it was like, it should have been 300000 And, yeah. you know, they're like, all right, that sounds good enough to us. And they hired me. And then I proceeded to work 80-hour weeks for like a month, you know, to yeah. try and pull this off. So I made almost no profit by the time yeah, I was done. Course. I have many experiences like that in my marketing business. But I figured it out. And that's the thing I think that, you know, reminded me of me as you were talking was, you know, what's the worst that could happen is I learned something new. I, yeah. I sharpen a skill that I didn't know I had. And, you know, I, I have that in my toolbox now to try somewhere else. Yeah, literally in the toolbox. Um, no, the worst that could happen is I just have to tell them I can't do it and I leave. Right. And I don't get paid. Or get no. paid. But it's the embarrassment that's really the worst. Yeah. You know, not the not getting paid. Um, but yeah, 
just the embarrassment, I guess. You just feel inferior and you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. That's part of your motivational. Is that part of your motivational strategy, though, is that you've got your your pride is on the line to figure this out as a as a jury rigger, so to speak. Well, no, I've always liked puzzles is mostly what it is. So on any given day when there's something more unique, I'm now excited because I know I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes with tile situations, they're a little tricky because you can but just bust their tile if you're trying to drill through. And so I don't ever send an employee over to do that because I know then I'll just end up having to show up there and fix everything. Right. And so, but yeah, it's, I like figuring out puzzles. That's mostly what it is. But yeah, there's that underlying layer of like, I want to be excellent at whatever I do. I definitely don't want to be a failure. I mean, that's, I don't have that in my psyche. And that's the creative part of being, you know, a designer though, too, is you're yeah. figuring out a puzzle. What will communicate my client's message in a way that will make them stand out from the crowd and differentiate mm-hmm. and at the same time allow me to express myself yeah. for them on their behalf? No, that is a thing. And I don't know if you've, you've obviously experienced this when you start out in marketing or branding or video editing, you want to push all your ideas into their world, Mm -hmm. you know, and you eventually realize, listen, they're paying me, you know, they're keeping me solvent. I have to follow their ideas, even if they suck. Right. Right. Now, what I would do sometimes is say, don't tell anybody I made that, you know, because (laughs) I didn't make it. You, you made it. I pushed some buttons is what happened. Right. I wasn't the creator of this, you know, and so I would tell them that sometimes and they go, what do you mean? And I just, just sorry, it's my wife. Yes, yeah, mama. <laughs> That's precious. I love it. What, what Eric's not telling you about that California emu ranch uh, job way back in the mid nineties is that there was an emu ranch outside of Chautauqua, obviously our, yeah. all three of our hometowns. And you well, actually went and did some field research. This was down by uh Cleo and Glennis Bull. Glennis worked with our mom yeah. in the beauty salon business forever. Yeah, and obviously, uh, Jason Bull and others took over that gravel pit and the sand, sand business and stuff. But um, you actually went out in the field, and I think you took our mom with you and you know, <laughs> used it as a field research. Well, you know, I, I opened up my AOL account and I went out and, you know, Google didn't exist in 95. So yeah, <clears> I used whatever Yahoo, I think, probably at the time. And I said, you know, what, show me an emu. And I, I got a picture of it and I'm like, so that's what, that's what it is. I'm studying. You had to start at square one. I, I now know what it looks emu. like. I know roughly how big <laughs> okay. it is and stuff. Boy, I wonder if there's any of them around here. Can I go like learn more about what emus are? And lo and behold, there was an emu ranch just outside of Chautauqua on D and I think it was on D and uh, mom said, well, I'll ride along with you. And we got out there and she, it was, it was kind of cold so she had this uh, coat on with drawstrings on it that had little like metallic things on the end. Oh, no. And uh, she got close enough to the fence that the emu stuck his head out and bit her right on the boob, oh, uh, no. trying to get this shiny metal object oh, no. thing. But I remember how completely blank slate that was. Just like yeah. emus, huh? All right, let's go figure this out. And 
what's the worst that could happen? I don't get paid, obviously, but I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn something new. And based on that, I'll be able to, I'll be able to reuse that somewhere else. I, I, at least the next time somebody asks for this, I can say, I, I really do know how to do this, or at least how not to do it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. You just start at emu. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's similar to me with the, the mounting. I didn't have it. Yeah. I just start like, I, I just start with what is a, um, a screw gun versus an impact driver? There you go. I mean, stuff like that, that is so ridiculous now. But um, I was like, well, why? This looks like this drives a screw. This drives a screw. This also drills. This also drills. What's the difference, you know? Right. And so stuff like that. Like, I mean, I was researching it for a week before I pulled the trigger on a nice one. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. So Eric, Eric, and, Eric and I are students of business strategy, you know, obviously yeah. in what we do for a living. And I know just enough about your story, Marshall, to know that you know, maybe you've already reached that point where you're, you're trying to figure out how to scale your idea. Yeah. And you're you're seeking uh, opportunities, whether it be starting it as a franchise, you know, and, and while the mounting man brand is there, yes. you, know, you, you you then need to go and recruit people that are trustworthy, reliable, and dependable, who you know obviously have some competence in the business of mounting a television, or are physically yeah. or or mentally uh, capable in that regard. Work us through kind of where you're at with the evolution of this mounting man business and so in, in have, regards to in regards to both scale and then you know Eric may have some questions about you know exit strategy or whatever else from there. Yeah, the exit strategy part is just a a hope, you know. But as far as scaling, so I have two employees now who are who are good. Right? It took a while to get one. And then, uh, honestly, I, I went through trying out hiring people, and then I ended up having to just go and redo the work on enough times uh, that I just said, for, forget it. I'm just going to keep doing the work, you know, because it makes enough money now to where it's like very good living for us, even without the agency. But now that the agency's coming back, well, first, what it's done has made me a lot pickier about what I take on for the agency because it's like I can just go make another thousand dollars today with mounting TVs. Yeah. Um, depending on the day. And so I, you know, I tell this to former clients and they go, oh, it makes sense. And then jack up the rate if they want to still do business. Um, where, where was I going with that? Oh, the scaling. Hey, honey. Now that I have two employees, I figure and I never have to see them. So it's virtually the same as it would be if I got a, another branch in Chicago or Milwaukee. And then for whatever reason, I, I want to start in Milwaukee or Chicago because I know those I've lived there so long. L.A., I lived for a long time, too, but I don't know it like I do those other cities. Uh, it's just so huge and you just never feel like you're an insider in that city, like mm. that you you know what you're doing, because there's so many pockets that are different. You can go from Brentwood to Compton in an you know an hour. It's just way different situations. So I mean, I feel like I know the people in Milwaukee just because I do. I I went to college there before I went to University of uh, Minnesota, and so I just kind of got it down. 
And yeah. so I feel like I'm going to branch out into one of those, find, you know, some handyman and start sending him some jobs. I'll keep the marketing low so that I'm not spending $100 a day with Google and then the guy can't do the jobs, you know. So that's my only plan right now is just to dip my toe in a new city and see what happens. You so know? that's the whole promotional strategy is really online ad optimization. And then you sort of yeah. dollar cost average the cost of running those ads against the revenue that's being produced by leads coming in. And yeah, closing. exactly. It's almost my entire business pretty much runs off Google, uh, Google AdWords. Now I do get repeat clients now because I've been doing it long enough yep. and not necessarily for TV mounting, but they'll say, hey, can you hang these new curtains we got or any other hanging a mirror or something like that, any mounting thing. And so what I do need to get better at is um, like with the agency, I'll always have autoresponders to follow up and say, hey, you need any more work right now? Stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and I haven't done that with, the mounting man yet i've just been figuring out the one piece and now that i've kind of got it on autopilot i feel like i can dig in and create a true like marketing strategy around it and not just an ad strategy to a landing page to a booking you know because right now it's very simple streamlined so filling in the gaps really around the cash yeah. flow so that yeah. the cash flow evens out you know, what was good is with the agency, I've spent a lot of, I, I have things on my computer that I started three years ago that I haven't finished because I couldn't do it exactly how I wanted it. Mm. Or with the mounting man, I just had to go get this started. Plus, I didn't know what was good or bad. So I didn't have this expectation of excellence as far as the marketing yeah. part of it. Yeah, I just knew that the parts that I would put up would be way better than what handymen have. And so it's been so easy to, to beat them in the marketplace, to be honest. It's, yeah. There's no competition at all. I simply jack my rates up and then people just pay that. Instead. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the handyman market is largely word of mouth. A um, lot of sort yeah. of like I hired a handyman a few years ago when I, when I sold our house in Chippewa Falls and we moved down to the Madison area here. I got a handyman from my realtor who was listing yeah. the place for us and yeah. That was how he got all of his work was from, yeah. he just knew all the real estate agents, knew all the people who had a problem they needed remodeled and before they put their house on the market. And that's how he made a decent enough income. No, it's fantastic. But that's also because he's been excellent at building relationships and doing great work over a long period of time. Yeah, I had to do it now. Right. You know? And so, you know, like I said, I, I have some repeat clients and also referrals. But I haven't done it long enough to where I've got 10 years in the marketplace where I know everybody. Um, and there will come a time when that'll be the case. And then maybe I can either scale up or ramp Google AdWords down, one of the two, mm -hmm. and um, save 3000 bucks a month on Google or something. Right. But right now, it pays off so well that I'll just keep funneling money to them. So the brand, the brand is really the uh, difference maker at this yeah. point that you can leverage and turn into, I wouldn't necessarily call it a franchise, but you might call it a license uh, that they can. So I didn't know. Do you know anything about it? Because I don't know anything. Like, I don't know the difference, the legalities. 
I know there's a big legal hairball behind the word franchise. That's uh, what and, I've heard. Yeah. And so we've actually used the term license for some of the stuff that we do. In other words, we'll train someone to do it the way we do it, and then we'll provide them with the intellectual property, you know, advice, manuals, support, hotline, phone a friend, sure. all that sort of stuff that allows them to use some of our ideas and, and you know, manipulate those ideas in the market. And that is a much simpler arrangement. You're essentially saying, yeah. pay me 50% of what you make kind of thing, or I will get you jobs under my operating posture and I'll take 50% off of, you know, what I bill against your time. Here's the sheet you fill out that tells me how much to bill. Uh, you, you basically keep 50% of that or whatever your deal is, you know, with your licensee. Um, and that allows you to still maintain control of your unique intellectual property, your brand, your processes, your, you know, web portal, whatever it is you're using to, maybe there's a scheduling app that you use to uh, make all your people, you know, work together and, and get them all in the same place. Yeah. Um, but then you basically create a, a limited partnership with each one of those partners. And that's a very easy, easy and straightforward document. It's just, you know, here's the limited partnership. Here's how much we're going to split. Here are the conditions under which we sever. Here's what happens if you leave. Here's what happens if I leave. Sign on the dotted line. Term is three years. Renewable upon request. So, you know, I've been kind of looking that stuff up. And I thought with how simple the business is run here in Minneapolis, I feel like just continuing to have other people as contractors because only need one or two in each city. Yep. I mean, maybe LA, maybe more. I don't know. Or Chicago might be way busier than Minneapolis because it's a much bigger city. I just don't know how far I can have people driving. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think like what I do now, I just pay a third a third of whatever the the, um, the the bill is, I just give the person a third. Yeah, perfect. And so that's the arrangement. They make way more money than they do at their other gigs uh, just because it's a short amount of time for, so they'll take 20 minutes to make 50 bucks. Well, they're like $20 an hour type of workers, you right. know, and their other stuff. And so they love it. And so anytime I'm like, I need them to do it. They just get on it. That's great. So now, there's you've got these two people. Now there's other people who I don't know if they have substance abuse issues or whatever, but I feel like that runs rampant in this world. That's why people are still just struggling at 50 mm -hmm. years old. Um, mm -hmm. They just won't show up or they'll show up late or like tell me like, well, why did I have to be there at 10? It's like, cause that's when the appointment was. Like, yeah. I, I don't have to tell you that. He's 55 years old. You should know this stuff. And so I've had uh, just so many of those people that I, I was at first, I just thought maybe I'm not going to scale up. I don't know. And then I obviously realized every company goes through these issues. So. Well, and part of that's the vetting process of how you, yeah. you know, I've, we actually have a bunch of different programs at universities, undergraduate programs, almost all of them. And I'll tell you, you cannot understand a person's character uh, in the first few encounters you have with them. So I'll, not. I'll share an well, example. Also, until you actually put them to the test, which is work. Yeah, exactly. You know? Now, of course, I vetted. <clears throat> I'll get like 30 applications 
And then I go to their Facebook. I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Right, it's right. easy to know that I don't want these people at the client's house, you know? Right. Because they'll have like, I don't know, like a little white kid with gang signs and guns on all over his wall, you know? It's like, no, you're not going to my clients. You just can't. You can't represent me. Yep. And yeah. so I don't say that. I just move on. Don't call and back. I find the ones that that look the part, and I can see how they type, so I know how they might talk. You know, they can punctuate. They know they're there and there. Now they don't need to know. <laughs> they don't need to know that I like it though, because I like them to be. I don't have a certain amount of social panache when they arrive at the door, you know, it's meaningful because then a person can then get rapport right away and go, yeah, this is going to be fun, you know, instead of like, oh, God, this guy's in my house. I got to sit and watch him the whole time. Right. So, yeah, it's easy to weed through that stuff. But then you still don't know, like you said, what they can do for work or what their character is or if they're going to show up. They might be great at the job. Like I had a guy who was fantastic. And then two weeks in, he kind of just got to be like, oh, show up whenever I want. Hmm. So I just canned him. <laughs> and there's a there's a power relationship there too that exists, I think, where you yeah. know, there 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 has to be a mindset alignment almost. Like, yeah. like you need to almost communicate your mindset of why you're doing this and what you want them for. And then they have to believe in that. They have to sign on for that. If, and if they don't, it's a real easy A, B test. You know, yeah. they went B, you don't want them. Yeah. Um, and, and it, there's almost that kind of laying down a challenge. And so we have, we have a couple different places where we do that. One is in our global human intelligence business, which is very high performance, demanding work. You got to know how to talk to people. You got to you got to get things out of people they don't even know you're getting, and then they have to forget that they told you essentially. Yes. Uh, and that's a real sharp skill set. So we'll audition people. Typically, for you to get a, a long term contract job with us in that role, you're going to go through an audition whereby we're going to see what you can do, and it'll be really really obvious whether you can do that work or not. Um, and if you can do the work, then we can build a business around that person. And, yes. you know, and we do that in the other context, you know, in our software business, we've really struggled to find, uh, I'll say long-term, you know, family members is how we think of them. You know, they're going to yeah. join the family, so to speak, the Johnson family uh, extended. And, you know, we're going to not just build a business around them. We're going to build an engineering subset around them that, you know, they're going to, as far as we're concerned, we want them here for life kind of thing, yeah. you know, and we, we're going to treat them right. They're going to feel like they belong. They're going to see their role in the long-term product destiny that, that they're putting together with us, but we got to get them young. In that situation, I went out and formed a partnership with Concordia University in Mequon, just north of Milwaukee. Uh, and we've now hired two software engineers out of that program in the last mm. about 18 months, Derek. Uh, and since that began, and we've got four or five more who are sort of in the pipeline with us as uh, as probable new recruits. And I'll tell you, they're all in their early 20s. They're all just yeah. cutting their teeth. They're trying to figure out, they want to join a company where they matter and where they've got meaningful work. For sure. And we know that we can provide them with that. It, it's a matter now of us investing and figuring out, has, has, do they meet those milestones? And when they do, let's snatch them up. 
because somebody else is going to take them out of our hands if we don't. So yeah. two obviously very different examples from our own world, but there and there are different processes for vetting those different types of people, that type of work. Well, there definitely would be because the people you're looking for are people who are go-getters to begin with. The people right. that I tend to be getting here are not. Yeah. They're the exact opposite of me. And so you know, I know, I know one thing for a fact. I don't expect somebody to treat my business the way I would treat it because I'm making the money. It's my baby, you know, so I don't expect that, but you know, you got to have some sort of, some sort of level that they've got to reach. They don't need to get up here, but. Part of your situation though, Marshall strikes me that there's a volume, there's a volume issue where if you can incentivize them somehow to maximize their throughput, their volume throughput somehow. Yeah. And where I'm, where I'm going with that is maybe you pay them a third up to a certain threshold and then you elevate that to 40% for the next increment beyond or 45 I would do for that. the next increment beyond that. I would do that percentage in a heartbeat. Um, and that's a good idea. So and I do think it. In the software <laughs> I use, so the software I use is uh, the, the Square platform. And okay. so that's how we collect cards on the spot and they do it schedules through there and everything. So I can set very specific uh, percentage parameters in, in there. So. Yeah. And, and you're a maximizer anyway, you're the one who's going to yeah. optimize the analytic part of this yeah. in order to maximize cash flow. Your problem is you've got very unknown elements on the workforce side and you've got to get their, their, mindset aligned with your mindset, which is an entrepreneurial one that has some ambition attached to it. And so the way you get that ambition to show itself with someone who is falling into a category of the unambitious, the $20 an hour, can't show up for meetings kind of thing, is you make it clear to them that the harder they work, the longer they work and the more consistent they work, the greater the share of equity and rewards they're going to enjoy. That's, That's kind of the principle. I do need something like that for sure. Um, you get right right yeah. now they're kind of like the the two people i have that are good they're kind of like they do well enough just because the money they're making for me is more than what they're making somewhere else so they show up um but if that flipped they probably wouldn't show up so right. you know that's just that's the whole dynamic at the moment so i'd test it with those two people is go to them and say, Hey, here's about where, what your current revenue run rate is. What if we took you to $60 for a 20 minute thing beyond a thousand dollars a week or whatever, you know, whatever those thresholds are. And then you just run the numbers, you figure out how to maximize your, the, the, the equivalent of Google AdWords, you know, only with productivity on your workforce. And then that's the deal. When you recruit, you show them that, uh, that sort of, sliding scale of remuneration and then they make a choice whether that's for them no i love it here's another idea for you and i i listened to uh, the bill hart podcast and i i learned obviously that uh, we are three days away from a major 20th anniversary of the 9-11 tragedy and in that podcast mm-hmm. i listened to marshall i heard you say something that is similar to the way i think about that 9-11 scenario almost 20 years ago and that if I had to do all over again, single, no other commitments, I would have joined up into one of the, the armed forces. And I heard yeah. you talk about 
thinking that you wanted to be a Navy SEAL and you went and hired some trainers and you moved to DC and maybe you should have gone to the same trainer, but yeah, I had money. I, I was making a lot of money at the time. Yeah. And so, but, but what if you, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for ways and we, we have the opportunity to bring in veterans uh, sometimes into the work that we do. We have an opportunity to, to go and volunteer or whatever uh, other uh, opportunities might be out there. But what if you said to yourself, well, um, maybe I can vet character through some of my uh, older network. You know, we're in our yeah. second, so we're playing the back nine of our forties. Uh, probably yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably just there, right? The 40, um, just turned 44. So yeah. Yeah. What, what if I could say, well, I've got these buddies who now have, you know, 20 something year old sons or daughters who are in Milwaukee or Chicago. And I know their character maybe because they served or their, their son or daughter served. And I'm going to think about uh, really important to use the term license, not franchise, right. In these cities that I've picked out that I know something about. And these, these uh, people who are handy, who may need a, either a side hustle or a primary hustle are saying to themselves, wow, it's really daunting in today's world to, to think about, I got to advertise, you know, I'm not the, the man who got, relationships built with all the realtors and I get all of my business by word of mouth that we spoke about you and Eric spoke about 10 minutes ago. Uh, I need to get out there and advertise, but I know nothing about that. Well, they get to trade their currency that they trade on is the mounting man reputation. But then you go into these cities like Chicago or Milwaukee. I may know of somebody already uh, in the Chicago market who could be fantastic for you. Um, Uh, And they, 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 they get past that feeling that it's a really just intimidating idea that I got to get out into Google AdWords. And I'm, I'm intimidated by that myself because I know nothing about it. Um, fortunately, I got good people like Eric and our chief marketing officer and you know, others around me that, that do. But you know, they get to trade on the currency that is the reputation of the mounting man license opportunity. Yeah. And you know, go into some of these markets and feel like maybe they're given to Eric's idea a, a scaling or a tiered uh, percentage allocation as they prove themselves, prove themselves of character, prove themselves of dependability, you know, that they're interested in helping you grow, you know, that marketplace. And it, it feels like that could be really, really good for you. No, I agree with you and go on the veteran route. That's, a, that's a route I thought about too. And when I've been, you know, I've been on every platform looking for people. So I mm-hmm. spent a good amount of money, um, searching um but just people weren't popping like there wasn't a way to just say veterans only because i wasn't getting enough good people anyway and so to narrow the scope was like i wasn't going to get anybody so i am still looking for that though Mm -hmm. and so hopefully i'll find some avenue somewhere where i i have an in you know and people can go hey this guy's good Take him yeah. on. Right. But I'm, I definitely have that in mind. Super cool. Well, Derek asked about an exit strategy a little while ago. I mean, are you an, are you a long-term operator, perhaps? Well, until everything's just holograms. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this business has a, some sort of limited run rate, right? I don't know, you know, when TVs are going to be done needing to be hung. They might just be wallpaper at some point, <clears throat> but it's going to be quite a while 
anyway years for sure maybe a decade i don't know um but i feel like here here's what how is how i feel about it it's called the mounting man it's not just the tv mounting man it's just what makes the, the most but once you get those jobs people ask you for all sorts of other things like the other day for 150 dollars an hour because it's what i had to charge um a woman had me take stuff to the dump right that's all i had to do and i was like I'll, let's not do it but you know why it's because she had two kids at home her, her uh, husband's a doctor they don't have time to do this stuff and they have they have money and they like me so they're like get, have, have give him the money yeah and so i get enough of those things now to where you know hopefully this becomes more of a well-rounded i i want to stick to tv mounting primarily but i want the other upsells that i could have because once a person has two TVs or three TVs mounted in their house, they're not going to have 10 TVs, right. you know? So I don't have like repeat business from the same people unless I branch out a little bit, you know? Right on. But it's, but it's their network. They can share. Yes. That Marshall did a really great job for me. Yes. Or that one of Marshall's employees did a really great job for me. And the, the word of mouth sort of starts after the point where Google AdWords gets you the job. And that's been wonderful. Like when I get those now, like one week, half of all my business came from referrals. Now that hardly ever happens. It just happened to be one week where I went, oh my God, this is great. You know, <laughs> revenue shot up because I kept having the other jobs coming in. And then past, you know, referrals, I just was in heaven. I thought, okay, this hopefully is the future of this, you know? So I don't know if that'll be the case because it's, generally not very high yet but seems to be building right on well what a fun uh you know encounter here with you today marshall and you remind me a lot of uh the shatek spirit you know and i i described this in the form of our parents uh bob and honey who you know god rest their souls have been gone uh mom now 20 years dead 22 years almost and uh the uh what they taught us growing up was you got to have a hustle, you know, you got to yeah. hustle and you're, you don't want to necessarily work for somebody else. You know, look at the lifestyle you can have working for yourself, you know, whether you call that yeah. self-employed or starting a company or wanting to scale something to be really big, um, you know, calling your own shots has a lot of reward to it in itself, an intrinsic value. And that's what, you know, stands out to me about you, Marshall, uh, in this conversation. And I guess, um, Tell us how people who hear this podcast can find you, uh, connect with you and follow you and then get to know, you know, if we've got people out there who listen to this, who might be looking for work and, uh, you know, want to do love it. mounting man style stuff. Uh, if they're listening to this podcast, they're trustworthy. I, I believe that, uh, because you know, why would, was, why would untrustworthy podcasts like this? They're, they're the type of people I want. There you go. So tell oh, us how they get in touch. I'm I'm Marshall Wayne on every platform, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Um, I don't use Twitter. Instagram, I post something like once every four months. Facebook is what I use. So <clears throat> now I do have a Mounting Man uh, Facebook page, but I don't currently use it for anything yet because I haven't figured out how to. When people go to Google, they search uh, TV mounting service. I pop up. When they go to Facebook, they're not searching for that. So I haven't figured out a uh, a specific 
little narrow ad strategy to get any money that would be meaningful in return. So it's just my my Facebook page. If people are interested in seeing, like like Derek said, I break down like to the T how much money comes in, right? Now it's getting to the point where it's getting kind of obnoxious because it's almost like bragging because it's doing really well. But I don't care. I'm a guy who's like, I still have my old running logs from high school in a box, you know. I document everything. Like, and so even though I use QuickBooks and Square and I have all this stuff down um, in a professional way, I still do it like the old running books, you know. Try to show what sales were, profits were, and then I tally it up each day. Yep. And so that visually I can see it and it's that tactile feel makes me like, I love the stat game, you know, okay, what if, all right, I did that last week, let's try this this week, you know, and so the, I put all that stuff on my personal Facebook is where I'm going with it. Like I literally just take a photo of this stuff and then break it down. But and, what, it, what it comes across is guys, to, to guys like me, Marshall, who maybe entered this podcast knowing less than I might uh, 45 or so minutes deep into it. It doesn't come across as bragging. It comes across as frankly, super uh, motivating. You know, that somebody, so. that I mean, somebody went, went and did something they were intimidated by. They, they ran to their car and Googled how to install <laughs> something when they didn't know, well, you know they showed up at every job, you know, uh, scared or uh, daunted, feeling, uh, just every time incredibly overwhelmed i felt by. dread the whole day yes <laughs> you showed up with a hustle with a, yeah. with a, but you got in there and you figured it out that's yeah. the bottom line. and now i never awesome. feel that dread anymore i'm heading to a job right after this and i mean it's a job that i had one of my employees do yesterday and i wanted to see if he could figure it out but it's an in-wall cord concealing it deals with electrical not really but that's how he feels about it and he just didn't want to do it and so I'm heading there to do it, which is perfectly okay. And I told him, you feel like you can't do it. Don't do it. Cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess up. I yeah. want to, <laughs> I don't want to be there patching stuff. I want to just do the job. And so he's going to come with me and then I'm going to show him how to do it. Malia's coming with. Nice. And, uh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. keep that, keep that binder that you just flashed there handy yeah. and, and let Malia know where to find that after you're gone, because <laughs> I'll tell you something, one of my uh, most treasured possessions and Derek, I don't even know if you knew I had this is one of mom's old appointment books. Uh, and if you remember really? in the beauty salon at the main front desk, she'd have this great big, huge binder and running down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, all across this thing, she's got who's booked with which girl when and, you know, what they're coming in to do. And I, I will tell you about 25 years ago, I was in the beauty salon and mom was still doing hair at that point. And a woman walked in from Chicago and she's and mom turned to her and said, um, what's her name? I can't remember the woman's name, but it was something like Joyce or something. Joyce, yeah. welcome back. And Joyce looks at her and says, how the hell do you know my name? And, and fantastic. honey says, well, you were in here and got a shampoo and set the last time, you know, I, I did you myself. And she said, that was 18 years ago. And oh my so God. the mom remembered Joyce or whatever her name was from the last time she did her hair. She remembered what she did for her all because of this book, you know, and her just crazy. love of people. And I think, you know, that's the other thing that uh, I think is part of the Shatek sort of signature is that we love people. And I, yeah. I remember thinking of my mom's goal 
wasn't to make a million dollars. It was to make you feel like a million dollars. And I think I feel the same thing in your work, Marshall, is, you know, making sure your clients feel that way and and that uh, you want to attract like minds and like hearts. Definitely do. Well, that's why today's been fantastic. I felt like I'm at home, like we're at Gilligan's on the Tiki Bar and just having a couple of beers and talking, you know? Set that rendezvous this is how it up. feels like when I see Ryan Hayes or whoever, when I'm back, it's like, you just uh-huh. sort of pick up. Even though we we never talked, we kind of knew what, it just felt right to communicate. Right. You know? exactly. yeah. There wasn't any like build up period or, I don't know, building rapport or awkwardness or anything. It was just right in. This is awesome. The um, yeah, I mean, we we covered a lot of ground in this podcast. We're gonna have to have you back on one of these days uh, down oh, the road. Sure. You, can, you can update us on how Something this business is going. But like I said, uh, this recording number twenty, uh, kind of a milestone recording. We we really are feeling grateful to have you uh, be number twenty and running into the fog with us today, Marshall. Expect a release around November 9th. That'll be fun to, to be able to share this with the community. And who knows, maybe we'll find you a couple of license uh, oh, you know, folks uh, in markets like Milwaukee and, and Chicago in the process. That would be amazing. So uh, long live the Bulldogs. Yeah, of Bulldogs High School. <laughs> the, uh, always brings back great memories. Eric and I don't have a necessarily the ton of reasons to get back up to the old stomping grounds, but one of these days we will have to make a uh, Tiki Bar Gilligan's run yeah, happen. And, uh, have our well, my brother now just bought um, B&B. Oh really? I saw that. Yeah. Cool. I saw that. So maybe we'll give I, Joe. I maybe we'll give Joe the business, somehow. and we'll we'll actually yeah. meet there. Yeah. yeah. I like kind of like uh, you know, in a town of two thousand people, to our listeners of Chitek, Wisconsin, way back in the day, there was, I think the uh, the two most popular industries in that little town were bars and uh, hair salons. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We just covered yep. both both of those industry verticals here <laughs> in the final moments. <laughs> of this podcast eric always a pleasure true. super fun to uh have the joe bros get this together and marshall thanks so much uh love tracking your story online now we're in your beautiful daughter and just continue to keep keep being real keep doing your thing thank you my friend thanks marshall great to talk to you and thank you derek as always and join us next time for Running Into the Fog with the Johnson Brothers. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more Shatech people on soon because this is a fun, fun uh, aspect of this I hadn't expected. So thanks, everybody. Right on. Bye, everybody. Thanks again, Marshall. See you guys.